1: And we're back on the established past podcast presented by Clutch Points. Uh, I am your host Blake Level. With me, as always, is my co-host Dylan Reagan. And Dylan, uh, I guess the first question for anyone who really listens to our podcast, uh, knowing where your loyalty lies. Um, I can't imagine that you're feeling too great as we record this podcast. Both of your teams (laughs) suffered losses, so their first losses of the season, it just was not a good weekend for you.
0: I feel better about one, but that doesn't happen to be the team I'm actually a fan of, so we'll get into that a bit more. I think my actual focus right now is uh, definitely on the Dodger playoff run about to come up, so... That's my favorite yeah. team in all of sports and the one that I actually live and die with. So I'll, I'll try to ignore some of these things that we're going to talk about shortly after the podcast is done recording.
1: <laughs> it's already baseball season in Los Angeles. Um, we'll get to that game uh, here in a bit. But as always, uh, this time of week, we run through all the action from Sunday. And, and as I told Dylan before we started recording I think this was one of the weirdest Sundays that we've seen in a while mm-hmm. in the NFL. Now, there will probably be one that tops it along the way here, but um, it was just such a weird, weird day. Where uh, not, I mean, from all different perspectives, whether it was a fantasy perspective, whether it was from... <laughs> um just looking at how games unfolded just an odd odd sunday and we start uh we already mentioned that the eagles and the packers which that goes back to thursday um that's a game where both of us felt really good about the packers winning that game However, the Eagles come in get a 34-27 victory. Dylan, we usually don't spend too much time on these Thursday night games. It was a big one, um, and it was certainly a huge win for, for the Eagles because we had all been kind of looking at it and saying, "Wow, they could very well and probably are going to be one and three. Uh Instead, they're two and two. They get a huge win and uh, kind of a, a bit of a deflating loss for the mm-hmm. Packers just because of how well they started that game and then to lose the way they did. Uh, not ideal there for Matt LaFleur's
0: team. It's a good reminder for both of us and I think just every NFL fan of how good the Eagles' offensive line can be, and they they completely controlled this game from start to finish. I mean, they end up with almost 200 rushing yards. Uh, you had some big plays by Wentz, obviously, and you know, but for a Packer defense that we're – I've been very high on a lot of people have been very high on to see them kind of get picked apart not just through the air but really just being pounded straight in the face through the entire game and on the flip side Philadelphia's defensive line also stepped up I mean the Packers sorry and Rogers they they throw from the one yard line four times looking like Freddie Kitchens and the Browns just the week before and not able to get it done and overall running in the game i mean i, I did say on the last podcast before uh, it was probably gonna be a rough day for uh you know jamal williams and aaron jones uh, fantasy owners obviously jamal williams gets knocked out and then aaron jones not really a huge part of the offense because philadelphia was able to kind of eat up anything they wanted to do on the ground rogers still had a big day still concerning about the uh philadelphia secondary obviously with maddox now out too for at least a few weeks of the next spring so not uh you know uh, interesting game uh but again one that did not go necessarily the way we thought with how well the Packers defense had played beforehand
1: well here's what i know and i'm not an nfl coordinator by any <laughs> means uh at all but i do know that in a situation where you're 1 yard away and uh you have four opportunities to get the ball into the end zone i would probably lean towards at least trying to yeah, run the once. ball one time <laughs> um that even just once and it's funny because you know i put that out on twitter Of course, everybody's talking about that call late in the game, and it's like, you know, why this? And then you got people saying, well, why why would they do that? I'm like, well, look at the opposite. Look what happened when they didn't try to run it one time. Mm -hmm. They had four pass plays that were simply – it wasn't like, you know, a couple of those plays, fine. But a couple of them were like, really? That's the choice instead of running the ball? Um, Knowing that Aaron Jones had just plowed it in from, what was it, three, five yards Mm -hmm. out earlier in the game with ease. Um, that that's that's a frustrating point for Packers fans and of course we've both seen everybody talking about it since that Uh, and we've mentioned it a couple times the the Matt LaFleur situation where it still looks like that there's just something there that that's bothering Packers fans when you see how games are called Uh, and certainly when you have a situation like that uh, you can understand their frustrations especially in a game of that magnitude
0: yeah I think yeah I understand LaFleur's philosophy to a certain point but yeah you're at the one yard line we've talked a lot about how within the five yard line 10 yard line it's more efficient to actually run than pass a lot of the time and yes they had struggled so much you know being able to get anything going you have Aaron Jones 13 carries for 21 yards it you it seemed like every time they'd run on first down they'd end up losing two three yards but it's a lot different in the middle of the field than if you have a bunch set with a lot of guys in the middle there or you could spread it out too and kind of try to pick apart the defense a little bit more by spreading out what they're able to do kind of have the illusion of the pass before you run so like you said at least one run would have been nice and I, again we did see Aaron Jones at least pounded in one time so it could have been done and it's you know over the course of four plays you think you would have seen it at least once uh, even with Philadelphia's front playing as well as it did obviously the Belaga and Bakhtiari injuries kind of I'm sure those kind of played a part of that as well just not LaFleur just got in his head I think a little bit too much based on how much they were struggling to run overall in those situations
1: yep understandable to, to that extent uh definitely a call that will come back for packers fans as the season goes along uh, here looking at possibly being four and now three and one and have to regroup here pretty quickly given their uh matchup in week five all right we go to sunday's slate we get to the weird and we start <laughs> with the weird because uh, this is one of those where we said it so many times now go back to the very first episode of the establish the past podcast And you will hear me talking about the unreliable Tennessee Titans and how inconsistent they are. You never know what you're going to get from them. And sure enough, after they go to Jacksonville and look absolutely (laughs) awful, they go into Atlanta and get a two-touchdown win over the Falcons. Um i I, dylan I, i put listen we'll get to the rest of the afc south teams here in a bit but the afc south is an absolute disaster right now you've got every team at two and two you don't feel great about any of these teams at all but i give it up to the titans i'll finally say it i mean you have to give them credit for going into Atlanta beating a Falcons team you and I are very very high on but at this point uh, I'm not so high on the Falcons anymore
0: no Atlanta absolutely disappointing Uh, I really thought they were going to be able to run the ball better in this game I know Tennessee's been pretty good against the run but overall with Atlanta it's been uh, it's kind of shocking to see their inefficiency on offense this week uh, given what they're able to do in that second half against the Colts but maybe the Colts were a little bit worse than we thought too we'll get to that game in a bit but yeah it was it was a weird game tennessee obviously able to run the ball pretty well and that's one thing for atlanta as i kind of said in the last podcast i think their defense isn't as good as we thought it might have been last year when they had all the injuries and we're kind of blaming their struggles on the lack of depth there now this year with the pretty good health and they're still you know not able to get things done still giving up chunk yards on the ground and made marcus mario look great this is this was the day for the 2015 uh, number one and two picks the, both these quarterbacks for the first time in their careers on the same day threw for three touchdowns um it was an w- interesting game and you know aj brown i think obviously fantasy wise only had three catches but you're able to see what he's able to do. And I, I, as much as Corey Davis, there's a lot, had a better game overall and could be, you know, people think he's going to have a huge part of this offense, but I think it's clear that A.J. Brown is their most dynamic playmaker. That, I mean, Tennessee did well to kind of, grab them when they did in the draft some teams would probably like to have them right now with the lack of playmakers on their end so uh another weird game though like you said it's hard to really know what to take away from tennessee i tweeted during the game i don't really know what to make of the titans again like i picked them to win the division but i don't have any confidence that they're gonna you know win out lose out who knows like each week they're probably one of the tougher teams to pick because you just don't know what version of them you're gonna get
1: yeah and it's just you don't you never have any idea what you're gonna see from them uh, how they approach the game you mentioned aj brown We go back to after week one where he had the good performance against the Browns his first game. We're like, hey, make sure you keep an eye on this guy. I think I had him on my waiver wire list that first week but then took him off to replace him with someone who maybe stepped into a bigger role. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now we'll talk about him a little later. Uh, He's definitely someone to keep an eye on because uh, you mentioned the Corey Davis situation. Uh, Feels like A.J. Brown is the guy there. Uh, For them, they're seeing how well he's played. And people thought it was kind of a steal with where they got him in the draft and uh now uh, we're certainly seeing that uh, here thus far um all right let's go to the browns and the ravens um (laughs) here you go again another just weird weird game that uh you and i were all on the ravens we're thinking all right it's time they're about to take a big step forward here far and away looking like the best team in that division The Cleveland Browns have been so disappointing to this point. Uh, We don't know what we're going to get from them. And what do they do? They go in and score 40 points uh, on the Ravens on the road. And um, (laughs) Nick Chubb just Mm -hmm. runs like a madman. Uh, 20 carries, 165 yards, three touchdowns. Baker Mayfield looks pretty good. Um, And and really – you know, if you think about it, the game wasn't as close as the score indicated. 40-25, to 25. Mm-hmm. they had the late play uh, to Willie Snead that made it that close. It was a complete dismantling uh, for the Browns to get the win there. And uh, Lamar Jackson didn't look great. Uh, but you have to add it to the Browns. That That's a huge road win for a team that's been knocked down a lot by us, by a lot of people, uh, at least give them credit for going on the road and getting a big win there
0: yeah with all the injuries they've had in the secondary and they still continue to you know the previous week you know holding the rams at 20 points here with 25 in that late touchdown like you said with baltimore they're, they're bending but not breaking they gave up a lot of yards they still were giving up a lot of yards per carry from baltimore but when they got down into the end zone they're able to force turnovers able to kind of stop them when they needed to and it's impressive to see because again their secondary is so banged up with their starting two corners and uh out again on denzel ward and greedy williams and then on the back end as well at safety so it was interesting. I, I The biggest shock to me for sure was the play of Cleveland's offensive line. I did not expect, yes, you know, we, get, we got to give Nick Chubb a lot of credit, but there were a lot of holes that he was getting that I did not – And anticipate the Browns creating against the Baltimore Ravens I think the most disappointing on the flip side the most disappointing performance has to be the Ravens uh, front seven I they got completely shredded completely uh, caught off guard I don't know what they thought was going to happen they they played them the Browns in week 17 last year and it was a tough game and yes the Browns offense line was in probably a little better shape back then with Kevin Zeitler but nonetheless it was it was staggering to see and uh, you mentioned Baker Mayfield you see what he can do when he has time he, he still had a, f- a few you know throws that were kind of made you scratch your head but overall a good game and um yeah. uh, as much as I want to credit him I, I do think he had a lot more time it didn't look you didn't see him kind of like he was against the Rams constantly getting pressured uh, leaking out to the right side and having to throw the ball off his back foot you saw a lot more confident throws and i did like how they you know incorporated jarvis landry into the game plan a bit more this team scored 40 points and odell beckham jr had 20 yards i mean it's it's nuts (laughs) to think about and he could have had you know 50 passing yards if if that one ball was held on to so overall for the browns it was good to see we did mention you know if the browns were going to win uh, you know, it's finally going to have to be their offense kind of reaching its peak, and I don't know if this is quite their peak. There's a lot more they can do, but it is exciting to see. If you're Cleveland, you're you're definitely uh, taken aback with all your worries about the offensive line. For at least one week, you can feel a little bit better about how they played.
1: Yeah, of course, Brandon Williams not playing for the Ravens. Yeah, uh, that certainly was a, a huge deal. Um, And, you you know, you've heard a lot of people talk about that after the game. And, and certainly, you know, one of them was surprising because it wasn't exactly an entry. John Harbaugh was talking about that after the game just one of those deals where he had kind of a, something flare up and just couldn't play and no one expected it and so uh, certainly changed that the game plan a bit for the ravens but like you said still still no reason to give up uh, that many rushing yards and uh, that many points uh, to a team that really you know sort of struggled mm-hmm. to, to that point but yeah big win for the browns and uh now here they are right there atop <laughs> the, the AFC north and oh, uh, right back on track here <laughs> moving forward but, Dylan, we both go from 0-3 on our picks uh, for the week to finally getting a win here, and it's a, it's a somber one, I must say. Uh, it's one that I don't want to be right about because I have been hyping up the potential 6-0 and Buffalo Bills here on the podcast for weeks, and it was, oh, once again, everything. We blame the Patriots for everything. Um, they completely let me down get a win in Buffalo and now the Bills are no longer headed to 6-0 and um, but uh, I mean what else do you say about the Patriots here I, I think we all kind of knew it wasn't going to be a stellar offensive performance even though they put up 13 points in the first quarter um, we just we knew it was going to be a grinded out mm-hmm. type of game it always is between these two teams especially in Buffalo um, uh, you know the-, the Josh Allen play that's the one everybody's talking about but really even before that you know Josh Allen didn't play well uh he just is any as no one has been able to do against this Patriots defense um and once again the Patriots go on the road they grind out a win uh, for the Bills now you've got Josh Allen in concussion protocol don't really know what the status is there with him uh either way the Patriots are still undefeated the Bills still have a nice upcoming schedule so it's not the end of the world for them to lose this game uh, mm-hmm. but what do you, I mean, uh, yeah, the Patriots defense, as it has been every single week now, is the story of this game.
0: Out of all these games that we talked about that are kind of crazy and is a crazy week overall, this one was about as close to what i thought would happen i guess just in terms of the confidence that we both have had in the bills defense and even though they'd played weaker opponents the underlying stats you know adjusting for the the strength of their opponents show that they're still one of the best defenses in the nfl and i think if you're a bills fan yeah your offense as we talked about in this podcast preview unit we didn't really see their receivers being able to Uh, create a ton of openings against the the pats secondary and it was going to be a pats defense that we still regard and i still regard as one of the best in the nfl and they still and they played at the top of their game but for the bills for what they're able to do to tom brady i mean you do not see him obviously yeah the one interception in the end zone you do not see that happen often from him but just overall in the whole game he did not have a lot going under 50 percent on his passes that rarely happens completing them and had ended up with a qbr of 10.3 it's just a uh, we did talk you know they don't have isaiah when you lose james devlin and they're really going to have to change what they do as an offense and it was going to be tough to adjust in the fly against a tough defense like this so for the bills uh, your your defense is going to carry you as it has the last couple of years and uh, you know their offense is going to have better days against better uh, or you know easier opponents so, but and there's like we said the strength of their schedule kind of lines up well and it will be tough without josh allen he had a tough day and i didn't not too surprised that bill belichick was able to get josh allen to make a bunch of mistakes but Uh, you know still when they play other opponents it's going to be tough if they don't have them in there Uh, the defense already is a defense that's going to be put in a ton of tough situations just based on how their offense performs and Uh, that will kind of take a toll over the course of a year if you keep having to be on the field keep having to have short uh, you know fields to stop so overall um, it's never a good loss but for the bills they did prove to anyone that thought it was laughable that they would be able to compete in this game they did prove that they can uh, put up with the pats offense at the very least so we'll see what they're able to do next week
1: Yep, they have the Titans next, and as we said, if things go uh, as usual with the Titans, we can probably expect a flat performance, and uh, you know maybe the Bills come out and win with, with Matt Barkley getting the start. So that would be the ultimate uh, sort of storyline there. Uh, we'll see what happens, though, with Josh Allen here as we go throughout the week Uh, then the Bills get a nice week off before they get to play the Dolphins so that's a that's a nice setup there uh, to try to get back on track Uh, all right the next game and uh, probably the game of the week which I don't think surprises anyone because uh, we seem to always put this team in there when it comes to uh, great games and a lot of points and the Kansas City Chiefs Go on the road and get a win, thirty-four to thirty, over the Detroit Lions. Dylan, I remember back to last week. I I was feeling so frisky. Close. I was like, I was like, you know what? I I almost want to do it. I want to pick the Lions here, but I was not uh, brave enough to do it. I ultimately went with the Chiefs, and I thought it'd be a close game, uh, and it was. And it was a situation where, really, if you're the Lions, you feel like you should have won that game, <laughs> but then you remember that Patrick Mahomes is under center, and once again. I mean, this guy, it just doesn't get any better than what he is doing right now. He makes that huge play late in the game with his legs and then sets them up uh, in perfect position to get the touchdown, to win the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is it, 65,243 games in a row now that the Chiefs have scored uh, over 26 points? I mean, it's it's just... (laughs) it's just inevitable now and really i think it honestly the chiefs got the win but i also felt like i learned a lot about the lions here because i was already saying that i thought that they were they were obviously better than we thought Mm -hmm. they would be but really you look at this lions team i mean you feel like they're in a pretty good position now especially when you look around at the rest of that division which we'll talk about more here in a minute with a couple other teams I mean, the Lions are playing really well right now. It's a tough loss. It's not one that anybody's going to be happy about. But I thought the Lions showed a lot in a game like that.
0: I've been critical of a couple of the Lions' wins and some of the luck they got. Now it's the flip side in this game. If you take away that fumble return at the one-yard line, that's like basically yeah. a fourteen-point swing right there. And in uh, a four-point game, that's a huge difference. So I feel like I'm more impressed for the Lions than I, you know, than a lot of their victories this year, where they've, you know, relied on turnovers and special teams plays and kind of luck that went against them this time. Yet they still almost won. Uh, now I wasn't too surprised with the Lions being able to score points. We've talked about the Chiefs' defense; they're the worst defense in the NFL against the run, secondary is still not great and Matthew Stafford showed for all the critical takes on him that when he when he has time when the running game's going well, he can be a really good quarterback and he had a you know that one touchdown throw through the seam through between four guys and it was just on the money and you see why you see the talent that uh, Stafford has and it, when he's on top of his game this offense is going to be rolling against a lot of teams no matter how good the defense is. So encouraging on that end for the Lions defense that I mean Mahomes doesn't score a touchdown but he's still Patrick Mahomes he still does so many things I mean you see the one of my favorite plays was when they were earlier in the game they had a fourth down I believe at the one yard line and it was the first of Darrell Williams touchdowns and keeps his eyes up and makes it as it almost like a reverse play action it keeps the defense frozen like he's going to throw because it's Mahomes they're all watching him and then next thing you know he's handing off at the exact moment and it's a touchdown so even when he's not scoring himself he can impact the game with so many other things he does with his eyes and just his overall ability and like you said you you know they can defend every receiver they can have the perfect defense but Mahomes can also use his legs on that you know that fourth down conversion with with his legs and overall for the Lions you know you can't yeah, it's tough because you, you obviously you feel like you should have won this game you could have won this game but at the same time there's only so much you can do against Patrick Mahomes and unless you get a little break here or there it's really hard to stop that guy when the game's on the line
1: Yeah, a tough one for the Lions because now they have to get ready to go to Green Bay here in a couple weeks. And it's – you know, if you would have went into that that off week and and been like, hey, you know, we're just coming off this win, we've got all this momentum, but to kind of go in with such a deflated loss – maybe you're able to still sort of have some momentum because they do have some big games coming up here Mm -hmm. they got the Packers and the Vikings up next Um, so trying to build off of that performance for the Chiefs they just keep on rocking keep on rolling and uh, they'll play a team that is coming (laughs) off of uh, a surprising loss uh, this week and that is the Indianapolis Colts who lose at home 31 to 24 to the Oakland Raiders um well i mean where where'd that come from like where, where did this come from because uh once again i blame the afc south because just when we think we figure out some of these teams they go and do things that are just we they, they make us scratch our heads and rethink everything i thought we had finally figured out that the colts were playing very well you know they got the win in tennessee they got the win over the falcons coming off that, that tough loss in week one to the chargers and here they come back and really, I mean, give the Raiders credit for the way they played. But yeah. the Colts just didn't – I mean, the Colts just didn't do very well. I mean, they didn't play well. They didn't play well on defense. Um, they had some some issues that just ah, – it's just one of those games, again, in the NFL where we, we've looked down all these games we've already talked about, some of the weird ones. And we're going to have more we're going to talk about in a minute. And it's just like, that's the nature of the NFL. Raiders made big plays. They get a big road win here. Uh, I don't know that it tells us a whole lot about the Raiders, Mm -hmm. but uh, maybe it it tells us a lot more about the Colts because uh, we're putting them now back in the category of teams where can we really trust them? Yeah, the
0: Colts fall back into that kind of middle ground. There's so many teams in the middle of the NFL where they all, week to week, it's really hard to tell who's better than the other because it feels like, yeah, you'll see a game like this and they'll play next week and they'll win against some team. And it's really hard to tell what to expect from these teams I, I in this game for the Colts I think you could tell how much they really missed Malik Hooker and Darius Leonard on defense that defense has struggled overall and we've talked about that that overall their stats do, are, do not look great on that side of the ball and it really played out in this game the Raiders really felt like they were able to kind of it wasn't you know the offense was good and they had some big plays and everything but they had a great balance between passing and running the ball which uh not every team is going to need to do that but with Oakland's offense what they're able to do uh, Josh Jacobs definitely getting more plays in the receiving game, I think is a good thing as well. The guy's so dynamic in the open field. As, as much as he had a pretty solid day on the ground, I do think if they can incorporate him in the passing game more, that's better for them. And for their defense, uh, I don't know how much I can take away from them. They, they did stop the Colts' uh, attack for most of the game and look pretty good. But I don't know if that was more of the Colts just looking like they missed T.Y. Hilton. I feel, it felt like you know having that one guy that can really separate himself when they really need to. These last couple of weeks for the Colts, and they get these big scores late in these games, even in the loss of the Chargers and stuff like that they you know he was always the guy that when they really when Bursett really needed someone to get open he was going to make a play and you just can't replace someone like T.Y. Hilton and uh, didn't feel like their offense had the same punch and overall for the Colts yeah definitely not <laughs> not nearly as confident as I thought we would be uh, again it's only four weeks in so we're still you know we've got a quarter of the season now through for most of these teams except for the uh, couple teams that had a bye so we're still learning a lot and I think the one thing we learned for the Colts is if, if Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker obviously Hooker out for a while and then if Leonard can't get back on the field, that, they really miss him and they really miss the, having that uh, core, you know, heart of their defense really in the middle there. It just didn't look like they had a ton of life on either side in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean again, that's where you, your star players like that's what we that's how we they, we look at teams. And if your star players are are producing, then you're going to win games. And unfortunately for the Colts, they just didn't have enough of their star players on the field. Um, and so that opened up that opportunity for the Raiders uh, to get a win. And uh, now for the Colts, it does feel like a missed opportunity because you could have been sitting there at 3-1, now going into a showdown uh, in prime time against the Chiefs uh, this upcoming week. And so having to travel uh, and play, it's just going to – that's a tough one. You know, that's a, that's a tough game, and mm-hmm. you would have felt like trying to get a win there um, would have been a lot more ideal when you consider uh, the matchup coming into uh, this upcoming week. So, uh, one game that did not go uh, in the direction that uh, we, you know, that would have made this the, the, the ultimate weird uh, day in, in the NFL, um, and that is the Chargers and the Dolphins. Although I will say early on, Uh, i was yeah i mentioned you last week i said i'm not going to make this my log of the week just because i feel like the chargers are sometimes the chargers and uh they lose or play bad play down to their competition like you've said before um maybe saw that a little bit early on but at the end of the day the talent just overcame and uh the chargers get the win and they covered so nope. <laughs> barely though uh, making another one <laughs> making another one because uh the dolphins they're they're getting better I guess uh but it's just they just don't have Uh, the horses right now to be able to to keep up with some of these teams and uh, as expected it was the kind of day uh, that we figured it would be uh, for the chargers really in all areas i mean you know austin eckler didn't have a huge game but he still uh, produced a touchdown and and philip rivers had no issues i mean 24 of 30 he just he did what he wanted against that secondary um dylan i don't know what all what do we really say about this uh the chargers now now we're just in wait and see mode with the chargers getting melvin gordon back on the field uh because that's that's where Mm -hmm. we really start looking at the chargers and decide okay is this team an afc title contender um where exactly are they once they get melvin gordon back
0: kind of felt like an exhibition game for the chargers because i don't think we really learned a ton but it might have been the first time that we actually saw them missing melvin gordon for all you know they had control of the game for i'm joking that they barely covered into, yeah i mean they did score late <laughs> to, to cover by four and a half points here they they really did not run the ball well at all i mean they're averaging yeah. under under 2.5 yards per carry i mean when, usually when you're winning late obviously teams are going to run the ball more and they just didn't have any success against a Dolphins defensive line that's been shredded by everyone they've faced so if there if there's one thing to take away on, on a negative side for the Chargers maybe it was just a lack of motivation knowing that they're not really playing a NFL caliber team to you know to be blunt at this point uh, maybe that's what it was because we have seen the Chargers run much better than this in past weeks against better defenses so hopefully you know with Melvin Gordon getting back into the swing of things they'll be able to pick that up and he's the kind of guy that uh, does do well after contact and overall I, I do think it'll be a little bit different motivation going into the next week it felt like the Chargers knew they were over the Dolphins were overmatched by them and they kind of took advantage of that and yeah like you said Philip Rivers didn't have any trouble it seemed like he was just sitting back doing whatever he wanted so it's kind of weird to see all the time he had in the pocket yet they couldn't get anything going on the ground it, that was the only thing that really s- struck me from this whole game Rosen again we've talked about you know as much as all the talent spat around him he can still make some good throws and he had some great throws on the money down the field there's there's encouraging things to take but at the end of the day there's just not enough talent this team on either side of the ball to expect anything it's just more of the same from the dolphins and uh you know each week it kind of feels like they maybe are improving so if you're a t- dolphin fan at least there's something to take from these games uh, they're you know they're definitely more it seems motivated in those first two weeks where it looked like they did not you had all the reports of guys having trade requests. It feels like maybe Brian Flores is getting a better hold of the team. And, you know, they're realistic about what they're uh, what's going on right now. But they're coming together a bit more, I feel like, um, on both sides. But, again, there's just not enough talent for it to really matter this year. But that, that's more for the long road kind of view.
1: Yeah, the Dolphins don't have a win on the season, but the, you could argue they got a win this past weekend uh, when Tua Tagovailoa threw uh, seven touchdowns uh, for <laughs> Alabama. And so uh, at least they got to see that. And I think I, I read actually on Clutch Points that uh, the GM uh, the Dolphins was actually there at that game. So uh, just – just take that for what it's worth uh, at least you uh, have something to look at and, and be intrigued by as we get closer uh, to draft season uh here at the first of next year but yeah uh, another one of those games you thought it could be a justin jackson justin jackson game and of course he didn't play yeah. so that may have helped out a little bit there uh but yep went for the chargers they move along here uh ready to get melvin gordon back in the fold uh, another victory for the New York Football Giants as they are marching along on their quest to a Super Bowl uh, this season uh, or maybe at some point in the future with Daniel Jones at the helm because he is now 2-0 and as a starter. The Giants beat the Redskins 24-3. Um, another game where, I mean, we, we both expected the Giants to win this game. It was a bit more... You know, one-sided than expected. Mm -hmm. Uh, Redskins got off to a bad start. We saw Dwayne Haskins make his debut. Not quite the debut that Daniel Jones made a week ago. Um, But, uh, again, I mean, you saw the way the offense. Wayne Gallman played well, I thought, uh, given, you know, his role. He's not going to be Saquon Barkley, but... He played well, given what they gave him, and uh, now you see Saquon talking about he's got the walking boot off. He's thinking he's going to be back sooner than expected. (laughs) Everything is coming together for the Giants here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect their defense to play this well. We were joking before the podcast that we saw they scored, what, 24 fantasy points as a defense. Not, Not something we're going to expect from New York week to week, and I mean for them yes a good win great for Daniel Jones in his first home game to get a victory I I didn't feel like he looked as good as the previous week against the Redskins defense Mm -hmm. it still isn't that strong but it didn't end up mattering too much because Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum had all sorts of trouble and were turning the ball over left and right that offensive line for the Redskins really like you know for everything we've said about how bad they are and how much they've struggled they took a huge step back somehow I mean after going against the Bears defense and giving up all those turnovers you place it you play it face it. Giants defensive front that's not nearly as imposing and you still get shredded it was it was really rough to watch and if you're a Redskins fan I mean maybe maybe Tua's the guy that you guys are going to go for we'll see uh, at this point <laughs> you're, you're in the race with the Dolphins you're racing down to the bottom of the barrel and we'll see who can get there the fastest I, I think I've seen a couple people uh, I think Kevin Clark of the ringer joked you know the Dolphins and Redskins are both tanking but one team's actually trying to the other is not and <laughs> you know you look at the Dolphins and all their future draft picks The Redskins don't look like a team that really has a direction uh, obviously they missed Terry McLaurin on offense this game uh you know but that's yeah. not gonna he's not the as good as we've his he get, is and we've talked a lot about him he's not the type of guy that's really going to carry an offense and it's really tough for any receiver to do that they have so many other problems and if you can't score against the Giants I don't know who you're going to score against it's it's going to be rough for the Redskins here on out Uh, for the Giants we'll see as we talked about the schedule is going to get a bit tougher coming up uh, for Daniel Jones against uh, two of the better defenses in the NFL in the next couple weeks so we'll see what he can do in those it'll be an interesting test for him I think that as long as he's able to be solid and you know not really take too many steps back you'll be encouraged as a Giants fan at this point
1: We won't spend too much time on this uh, because we've got some other games to cover here, but everybody's talking about it. Do you think this is a Jay Gruden problem or is this a Redskins problem? Because I would argue that it's Mm – I mean, you could say it's a little bit of both, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, what can you do sometimes, right? Yeah, (laughs) I
0: I don't know if it's a Jay Gruden problem. I mean, they've had teams that have made the playoffs or got competed. I mean, we saw last year what they were able to do. I mean, their uh, injury from Alex Smith away from potentially winning that division. So I I wouldn't say it's a Jay Gruden problem. I think – if he if this is his last year and as they continue to lose, it kinda of is trending towards that way. Sometimes it's good for both sides to have a change of pace but the overall organization of the Redskins is going to stay and for for Gruden he can probably go and be an offensive coordinator and assistant somewhere else and kind of rejuvenate his career I think he's fine I think there's nothing completely wrong I mean you see what he's able to scheme up with some of these plays against the Bears a week ago and I, I was watching their uh, little breakdown with him and Chris Cooley for Redskins.com and the guy I mean like he's locked in and he the way that he sees the field and the offense like he's he's right on board with these guys in terms of modern offense and what's going on there so I wouldn't be too concerned uh, maybe his I think he's maybe a little bit fed up with the organization itself too. It's probably uh, yep. a thing where both sides need to break off at a certain point. But for the Redskins fans, you still have uh, Dan Snyder and that whole that whole organization there that's not going away. <laughs> so I, don't, I wouldn't be too happy about that situation. I know there's been some fans that have hoped for change, but at this point it doesn't look like that's going to happen up up at the top.
1: well well, maybe jay gruden's tanking for tua in that he's going knows he's going to get fired he's going to go be the dolphins offensive coordinator and then he's going to it's going to work out it's a genius plan if you ask me um but yeah we'll, we'll see how that, that happens and if that happens but yeah it's uh not good times there for the Redskins here as they are 0-4 uh now moving forward uh all right another game where here we are back at the AFC South the team that we feel like we're finally going to be able to rely on or at least I did uh this was your upset of the week Dylan you nailed it the Panthers <laughs> go in get the win yeah. Uh, Over the Texans, uh, it wasn't pretty, but uh, a win is a win, and I think at the end of the day, we all know that the Texans now still have their issues, and they're not a team you can trust, uh, especially when DeAndre Hopkins is, for some reason, uh, throwing interceptions. Um, Why he's, he's ever throwing the ball, period, I don't know. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey just a another monster game he can do anything the Panthers need him to do Kyle Allen 2-0 is the starting quarterback this season uh, as yet to lose as the starter for the Panthers uh, I mean it's a it's a good win for the Panthers but equally it's a bad loss for the Texans because here again here's an opportunity you're at mm-hmm. home you're facing a backup quarterback your opportunity to get a win take claim of that division and you just couldn't do it
0: felt kind of vindicated from some of my things I've said about the Texans their lack of depth and w- we did mention when I, I did pick the Panthers in last week that their defense was top 10 DVOA was a, probably a little underrated from what the eye w- would tell you just from watching their games on a week-to-week basis they, they performed so well and I was really impressed with what they're able to do against Houston I as we've talked about Deshaun Watson for all the struggles on that team he can just kind of take over a game and Carolina didn't let that happen that's a little bit on Deshaun himself but there's only so much he can do and I think you got to give some credit to what Carolina Did I thought they'd be able to score more points as a team too? So Houston's defense still, you know, has had a few performances. Now, I mean, we saw what Gardner Minshew did yesterday, and they were able to hold him down. And their defense is played better at certain points than i thought they would but we'll see if that continues for uh for carolina i think christian mccaffrey uh, he's already proved that you know he's there had been sentiments that he couldn't be an every down back he's already proven that's completely false and here he is again uh you know he has some big runs but overall it was more it was what impressed you was the the three four five yard carries it just continuing the continual blows over and over and over again to move the ball and for Carolina to get those first downs, and they really needed them. Kyle Allen, not as strong as he was against Arizona, and that's understandable because the Cardinals are pretty disastrous on the back end, but still did what he had to do, didn't turn the ball over, and I think that's, at uh, you know, for a team that, you know, at least uh, not turning the ball over through the air, had a few fumbles, but um, able over, overall to kind of, handle the game Uh, you know Kyle Allen maybe we we take a step back again from last week there's so many rookies that and young guys second year guys like him that played so well and we knew that it wasn't gonna it was kind of somewhat of a mirage but still played decently well for Caroline and I think uh, for anyone that was saying like even myself if he kept playing like that it was gonna be hard to sit him I think it is a reality check that he's still you know a young quarterback still has a lot of things to improve on and when camp's back he's gonna be their guy
1: yeah, at this point, it doesn't seem like Cam's in a rush to get back, and it doesn't seem like they're in a rush to bring him back. Mm-hmm. So uh, that leaves the unknowns for the Panthers. We don't know what we're going to get, how long Kyle Allen's going to be under center. Uh, but we'll we'll see, because that's going to be an important part of them as they try to make a playoff run uh, in what is obviously becoming a, a division we knew was going to be tough. But uh, when we get to one of those games here in a second, uh, there are some teams making some strides, and uh, that's what the Panthers are going to try to do there in that division. All right, you mentioned the Cardinals. Great segue because uh, they're <laughs> next up, and uh, they didn't look any better on defense uh, this time around as the seahawks get a 27 to 10 win there in phoenix um really you know you mentioned earlier the patriots bills game kind of what you expected i think this was pretty much exactly what i expected uh, in terms of how these two teams played you didn't feel like the seahawks were going to be a team that put up 45 points or anything like that even as, as bad as the cardinals have been on defense but once again Just kind of a methodical, uh, efficient type of a performance from Russell Wilson. Uh, The Seahawks players, you know, the passing game we knew was going to be fine, and they were really no issues here. Um, I mean, just the Cardinals are what they are right now. They're they're a bad defense. Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray still, he's going through growing pains. We see that. Uh, Week in and week out. Congrats to Larry Fitzgerald. Great accomplishment for him uh, to move into second all time on the on the receptions list. Um, I really wish David Johnson could play for a winning team because uh, I think that guy's really, really good. But he just at some point, uh, you know, it's just it is what it is. He he gets devalued because he just continues Mm -hmm. to, to play for a team that can't make any strides. Good win for the Seahawks. Uh, you feel pretty good about where they're at right now, especially, as we'll get to in a minute, uh, where we look around at that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seahawks uh, playing pretty well and a good bounce back. I know how they played against the Saints, but but a good bounce back win here.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about the Seahawks and them needing the bounce back. And like you just said, sure enough, here they are against a Cardinal team that, is again worse than they maybe looked in the first two weeks and it continued in this week so take take it for what you will but I still think you have to give the Seahawks defense credit Arizona has been able to move the ball on some teams and I you know for Seattle and everything they've done that their defense this whole season has kind of been a concern and I'm still not sold on them we'll see what they do this week against the Rams and Jerry Goff struggles but I, I think they took a, a, some steps forward, at least, and I think there's something to be encouraged by. I think Clowney you know, obviously has a touchdown, but they just overall played a lot better and uh, we'll see if they're able to keep that up moving forward uh, obviously Will Disley I think every uh, we weren't alone I think everyone <laughs> any analyst, probably picked you know you just pick any tight that's facing the Cardinals at this point had another big week and it was good to see Chris Carson kind of bounce back uh, doesn't fumble which is always an encouraging thing for a fantasy owner or a Seahawks fan Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson I mean like, like we kind of talked about we'd want them to let him loose a bit more but in this game it was not even close and necessary I did feel like earlier in the game as they built the lead they were more aggressive and and that's something that is encouraging if you're a Seahawks fan you want to see them use play action more and they did and it, 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 you saw the, the benefits that it reaped and uh we'll see what they're able to do moving forward again it's a, a team that we can only take so much from beating the Cardinals it, it is on the road it is bouncing back after last week but uh, they got some tougher opponents coming up and we'll see what they're able to do in those ones David Johnson though like you said man uh <laughs> so this is part of the thing with running backs obviously you can be great you can do everything right and he's such a dual threat so dynamic and so many things that he does but at the end of the day, it's you need other parts of the team. It's it's not like it's not quite the same as a quarterback. And sure enough, I mean, it doesn't help when you have an offensive line like theirs that's um, not great. Uh, he, you know, for all the plays he did in the passing game, and you see what he does in the open field, he still struggled to you know running play after running play gain too many yards against Seattle.
1: Well, uh, I don't know if you know this still. I don't know if you've looked ahead, but uh, next week I hadn't even looked at the rest of the schedule. But I'm going to give you my game of the week already. It's going to be the Cardinals and the Bengals. I don't know that anybody's going to stop anyone in that game. Um, give give me a sixty to you know fifty seven type of game. I'm all in on the Cardinals and the Bengals. Um, but hey, you know, fantasy alert. You mentioned Will Disley, Tyler Eifert, C.J. Uzama. They're they're your guys next week because they're playing against the Cardinals, and we know. Cardinals for some reason just have no awareness when it comes to tight ends uh, who are continually just racking up uh, great games against them uh, in every game thus far this season. All right, Dylan, I'm just gonna give you the floor here oh, because no. uh, we have <laughs> we have made it to one of the strangest games I can remember, and this this you know goes over that entire weird Sunday. Uh, what a strange, strange turn of events. The Bucks go on the road, put up 55 points against the Los Angeles Rams, who, by the way, were in the Super Bowl last year. Um, (laughs) You know what, Dylan, it's all yours. Go ahead. Uh,
0: Before I get to the Rams offense, (laughs) because there's a lot to say about that, I think, and, you know, Jared Goff deserves a lot of the criticism that he got for his performance yesterday. But before I get to that, their defense, man, no pass rush, no pass rush (laughs) all game against a Tampa Bay offensive line, which isn't, anything spectacular it's definitely you know with what the Rams have been able to do in the first three weeks expecting them to get a lot more pressure they couldn't do anything I mean they took away Mike Evans for a lot of the game and then he gets that one long touchdown but overall Chris Godwin out of the slot holy cow yeah Roby Coleman was just getting burned play after play it was it was hard to watch uh, as a Rams fan and you know I try to stay as objective as I can as I watch the games of any sport and but I still you know with my heartstrings I'm like man they're they're better than this. I don't. Their defense looked awful on all facets. The secondary was atrocious on all ends. I mean, they get the one pick six and on the one gift, but you're going to get one of those from Jameis. It feels like every game. So it wasn't necessarily like they made an amazing play on the ball. It just kind of lobbed it up and they got it. So uh, you know, the injury to Bryce Hager in the linebacking core was tough, but I, I think for the it all starts kind of you know the secondary is solid, but their defensive line needs to play better. They cannot give up. Six, seven, eight yards every carry. It felt like, and then generating basically no pressure for most of the game on Jameis Winston, making him look like one of the best QBs in the NFL yesterday. It was uh, that—that's the one part that was the most discouraging. For all the, the bad things the Rams' offense did, they did put up a lot of points and did keep, keep fighting back with quick drives late in that game. So. Uh, you you needed the defense to finally step up and they just couldn't do it. Uh, Now on the other side (laughs) Jared Goff threw the ball 68 times. 68 times. That's absurd and I I did know in the first 14-15 plays that as much as Sean McVay says that Gurley's fine and They want to, you know, incorporate the running game. They didn't run the ball outside of an end around for the first 14 or 15 plays it was. It was nuts. uh, You know, and they end up with only 11 rushing attempts. And, yeah, there was that Cooper Cup negative two end around at the beginning of the game on those first 14. So I don't know what that was about. You know, they fall behind. You get the bad interceptions from Goff. Then they they fall behind 21-0. So you're playing an uphill battle. You're going to keep throwing the ball. But they really couldn't do anything on the ground when they tried. The offensive line, on you know, on the flip side, we you talk about Tampa Bay's offensive line. The Rams' offensive line has a lot of had a lot of trouble still. I mean, Blythe was able to go out there, but he didn't look like himself still at right guard. Still, have the young guys struggling. And then the the more staggering thing was seeing Shaq Barrett kind of win almost repeatedly. It felt like against Andrew Whitworth, who was the most stable part of the Rams' offensive line and the biggest piece of what they're able to do there. So. It was a weird game. Uh, uh, it's, we'll see what they're able to do. They have a quick turnaround so they can kind of make up for it real fast. But it's discouraging mostly on the defensive side. For Jerry Goff's side, you, you know, he, he throws the really bad picks. The the last fumble is, you know, you hope he could get the ball away. But that, that one doesn't bother you as much as the interception in the first half where guy kind of goes right into his read and throws it right to him. He misses a couple t- wide-open touchdowns or at least long plays down the field. Those are the throws that are frustrating. You you kind of saw on the plays immediately after kind of had an impact on him it felt like i feel like the only guys that had a good game for the rams were i thought their receivers were exceptional i thought cooper cup and woods and yeah. cooks all played great games and are all getting open they're all making plays in the open field taking plays that were 15 20 yard passes and turning them into touchdowns great downfield blocking i thought those three receivers balled out all day um they just need a little bit more from Goff, but even with golf struggles this team wins if their defense could just step up and they just can do it
1: well, and on a lighter note, I, I just would love to see the face of the fantasy owners out there who see who just look at the box score and see Jared Goff put up 68 passing attempts, 517 <laughs> yards, and two t- touchdowns, yeah. and yet he has 20 fantasy points. T- tied, it's for like, the, it's
0: tied for the seventh most <laughs> passing yards in a game ever, which is just, uh, man, this, this, is, this is And then you're like, game. well,
1: what happened? Yeah, it's just, what happened? If you're a fantasy person, like, let's just say you don't really follow it that much. You're just playing... You're like, wait a minute, this guy throws it 68 times, has 517 yards and two touchdowns? Why has he got 20 points? Well, just... <laughs> mistakes that's that's what happens um yep so what what a just yeah it's just a weird game and uh i mentioned bad Jameis showing up well bad Jameis didn't show up uh it appears uh we may be kind of changing our opinion on Jameis winston which i think we'll talk about a little bit mm-hmm. more here as we get into it a bit later we probably have a little bit more of a discussion on mr Jameis. um we go from that end up the spectrum to the completely opposite end as we go into a game that was devoid of any offense whatsoever, uh, the Vikings and the Bears, which, I mean, it pretty much played out sort of how we thought it would be. I don't think either one of us expected this to be a 24-21 <laughs> to 21 type of game. Um, it was pretty much what we expected. Uh, you know, Dylan, I tried to tell you, you had to go with the Vikings. As much as I did not trust the Bears, I the trust issues with Kirk Cousins continues because oh, another God. winning team – Another loss, and um, it's just at this point, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what you say now for this one. You can obviously be a little bit more um, understandable given the defense that he played against. Um, the Bears' defense is just continues to just be out of this world. Um, Mitch Trubisky leaves early. He has a dislocated shoulder. It sounds like he's not going to need surgery. He probably won't play against the Raiders in London. But uh, any way you slice it, this is a really good win for the Bears at home without Trubisky on the field. And for the Vikings, it's another instance of where are we going to have the offense we need uh, to be able to win games because the defense is good enough. Is the offense going to be there? And I just don't know the answer to that question
0: right now. No. Yeah, I mean, with all the talent they have on offense, you feel like if you if you hold any team, whether it be the Bears, whoever it is, the 16 points, you got to win the game. You have too much talent and it didn't it didn't matter i mean Kirk cousins uh i i said before the game uh, it came down to me trusting him maybe a bit more over mitchell trubisky i i didn't think about chase <laughs> daniel coming in and looking you know like alex smith 2.0 over here the, the guy was uh played really well I, I mean he did well last year in relief of trubisky for a few games around thanksgiving and he he's a one of the more competent backup quarterbacks in the nfl and he knows what he can do he knows he doesn't try to force it and he knows how good of a defense they have so for the bears uh, they're there's concerns about their offense remain I mean the Vikings have a great defense that's very true and I I still uh, you know Chicago still can't struggle to run the ball David Montgomery hasn't really lived up to all the fantasy hype Tariq Cohen I mean he made some more plays out of the backfield catching the ball with the one touchdown but overall still not a lot happening on that offense Uh, over the course of the year that the NFC I mean overall every team kind of has some flaws so they still have some and but at the end of the day their defense is so good and uh, for everything Minnesota, you know how how good Dalvin Cooks looked at certain points, and everything they're able to do when Kirk Cousins has a clean pocket. None of it matters if they can't block. None of it matters if Kirk Cousins, when he does have the throws, and there were a few there, despite everything Chicago's able to do, and he wasn't able to hit them down the field. You have Adam Thielen after the game. Uh, kind of not so subtly calling him out <laughs> for not hitting the deep <laughs> the deep passes. I mean, for a guy that completed 27 passes, I believe it was, if I look real quick, yeah, 27 passes, uh, you think you'd, out of 36, you think that's not too bad. But then you look at the over, overall numbers, the total yards being under 240 and you, all the sacks he took, the QBRs under 15, it's just – it's it's more the same for Kirk Cousins against not just these winning teams but these good defenses overall, and it's it's really disappointing for a Vikings team that knows that with a, a better quarterback and probably still a better offensive line to be a little fair to him, they have everything else to win a Super Bowl, but they, that's their Achilles heel. We knew it was probably going to be uh, coming into the season, and here it is uh, early in the year. Uh, they'll, they'll still be in the conversation, I think, for a long time, but. Um, it's hard to see them in these big games and they really need cousins to step up he just has not shown that he can do it
1: yep good to know that's my uh pick i'm leaning on for the division um it's gonna be the right lions now, you know it's gonna be the yeah, Lions. yeah i at this point it looks like it i mean they look like the team i'm most impressed with at this point but um yeah for the good news i think for for the vikings is that they are now one of 13 teams who are two and two so they're not out of it um you know one of 13 teams now in the nfl who are sitting at two and two on the season and they get to go play at the giants next um so a little bit easier defense to yes. work with in that one for uh Kirk cousins all right dylan i tried to tell you about the bears and the vikings i tried to tell you about Minshew mania because I, I mean what can i oh say we, we sat here on this podcast and we were just talking away i was telling you that we were both picking the jags but you changed your pick mid-course and man you do it once again and it burns you gardner Minshew comes through in the clutch gives the jacksonville jaguars a huge road win over the Denver Broncos, um, another just heartbreaking loss for the Broncos, who have now lost two home games this year um, on game-winning kicks. Yep. And it's just, man, it's it's tough for them because uh, knowing what they're facing in that division with the Chiefs and, and the Chargers especially – um it's just boy that they're in a rough spot now for the Jags though here we go AFC South represent because you know uh, here we are once again another two and two team all four teams in the AFC South are two and two and it's just a mess but man I love it and I love Gardner Minshew and what about Leonard Fournette 225 yards rushing against the Broncos and uh, I don't know that anybody saw that coming
0: no i I feel like for denver i mean this oh and four the season's basically over and it's tough like you said they easily with a couple of plays here and there could be two and two with a couple of big home wins right down the down the wire i mean with joe flacco plays as well as he did which wasn't fantastic but it's well enough that this is kind of the formula i'm sure denver envisioned if flacco can play like this you got to win the games and the defense just is not as good as they thought it would be early i mean you have a lead and credit to the jaguars they're you know losing by double digits and they they do not stop their game plan they do not stop running and i uh, f- for everything going into the season denver's defense has not been good and uh, i thought they'd, they they were pretty good last year overall and they somehow they've taken a step back you'd think they would be better with fangio and adding some talent and uh, you know von miller finally gets that sack but overall they've struggled so much and I know they did get some pressure and Gardner Minch who's a magician in the pocket and for all the credit to him I it's I it couldn't be more fun to watch that guy and for the Jaguars you know going into the season maybe you had some expectations but Nick Foles gets hurt and now Gardner's having his show going on I feel like it's just you're playing with house money now it, whatever happens to the Jaguars season just enjoy the ride it's going to be so much fun uh if they can run the ball like this it really adds another layer to their offense with what Minshew's been able to do through the air I I don't think they're going to constantly be able to average seven yards per carry and obviously Fournette (laughs) has that one long run that kind of boosted that average but overall he's still you know beyond that was still pounding away still getting chunks of yards each time they ran uh still uh, they really wore out Denver's defense over the course of the game and you saw that second half the Broncos defense had nothing going and uh, you know I'm not beyond just that you know the game-winning touchdown or sorry field goal drive they did have a few other drives that were just punch after punch after punch and then they hit them over the top or Gardner makes a play and it, it just breaks their back and uh, for the yep. Broncos, I'm not sure what – where do you go from here? Uh, it's your own four. Yeah. You, you thought you – know, you're not really in a position to rebuild. You're kind of just stuck. And I, I think they're going to win some games over the course of the season. They have enough talent. <sighs> they, they can do enough things, but it's not going to be a lot. And where do you go from there? I don't know.
1: Well, how I mean, of course, Bradley Chubb now out for the season with a torn ACL um and so that's a huge hit and I was you you said they're going to win some games well let me just (laughs) present something let me just present a schedule to you real quick and I want you to tell me in which of these games you think they're going to get a win all right let me just give you a small sample size here they're at the Chargers next week the following week they're at home against the Titans they're at home against the Chiefs they're at the Colts they're at home against the Browns, they're at the Vikings, they're at the Bills, they're at home against the Chargers, they're at the Texans, they're at the Chiefs, they're at home against the Lions, they're at home against the Raiders. Uh, uh, like, give,
0: give me like three uh, or four. I, I could see them winning some of those AFC South games. Uh, like yeah. We talked about with all those teams and how inconsistent they've been. Maybe one against the Chargers. They, I mean, they've, they beat the Chargers last year in the road in the game they shouldn't have won but yeah you're right mm-hmm. i mean overall they do have a really tough schedule when you're when you're facing um the nfc north as your uh non-conference opponents for the year especially this year that's yeah. a tough tough draw for them really i mean yeah I, you no, know, like said, though, it's this it's gonna be a struggle over, <laughs> regardless yeah, it,
1: it's it's gonna be a struggle i was just looking at that and i was like whoa uh yeah they will they'll win some against these inconsistent afc south teams but uh, the rest of them are just boy they're tough tank for two
0: tank for two john yeah
1: <laughs> Everybody wants them, so uh, it's going to be a race uh, at this point. All right, we wrap up uh, the action with the Cowboys and the Saints. Uh, you know, we mentioned some of the games we thought went as expected. This did not really go as I expected. Although, Dylan, I don't want to say this, but three in a row now on you. Uh, yep. uh, this was my upset of the week. Maybe it's my game of the week, one of the two. But the Saints get the win. Um, You know, what's interesting about this is what we were talking about with the Cowboys. Their first three games were so hard to get. I mean, we knew they were good, Mm -hmm. but they just played three bad teams. And so what do you really know about the Cowboys? I think for me, um, it's maybe a little mixture of both. I still don't think the Cowboys are world beaters, but I also think you have to give Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints credit for just the way they played. Certainly the defense. Uh, when you see how they played in that game, uh, it's the home. We, we know how well the Saints play at home. Uh, it's a it's a big win for the Saints any way you cut it, uh, because that was a Cowboys team that was coming in very confident, and yet the Saints just shut them down and mm-hmm. pretty much did what they, what they wanted to in that game.
0: the saints defense played like this throughout drew Brees' career he'd have you know like three four rings at this point man like he's had so many bad defenses he's kind of had to overcome um and in this game yeah i mean i I did think it might be kind of low-scoring. Like It was very similar to last year's 13-10 to 10 final, uh, just with the Cowboys get edging out for that win. A lot of similar things, uh, same with Alvin Kamara, where he really didn't get anything going. And he still had some decent plays, but overall they limited what he's able to do. I think the bigger takeaway for me, obviously, the Saints defense, two straight weeks now, they've really won games for them. They still haven't done much through the air. Teddy's you know, done a decent job. He threw a pick, but overall protected the ball decently well and completed a lot of these short passes. But they're not doing anything crazy down the field. They're not trying to hit, you know, big uh, gains. Some of the plays we see when Drew Brees and that offense is clicking on all cylinders. So it's a, an offense that had this take a step back, and the defense has really risen to the challenge these past couple of weeks. And we'll see if, what they're able to do for over the course of the season. And, uh, you know, it feels like they're going to be able to weather the storm just fine <laughs> without Brees. Um, but on the flip side for the Cowboys, uh, you take – Yes, I think like you said, it's a combination of uh, a much tougher opponent, but also them just playing down to uh, worse than they have in the first few weeks. And part part of it was game plan. A lot of the things that we've talked about and I've said about Kellen Moore's opening up the offense, a lot of play action. They were running 35 percent of play action, uh, you know, on on their dropbacks through three weeks. Only 20 percent last night. I, you don't have to necessarily always run the ball well. You just for a team that runs the ball as much as the Cowboys, you're still going to have the illusion of the run because you have Ezekiel Elliott. The, the same are still going to respect that and it was frustrating to see the Cowboys kind of resort to more of the stuff that you know we saw under Scott Linehan in last season that I complained about as the one big question going into the season where they were running on a lot of early downs and getting behind and setting up Dak to not have the best situations obviously you have Tyron Smith going down but overall through most of the game they they just didn't really click like I thought they'd be able to. The Saints defense definitely deserves credit, but I think the Cowboys offense played below what its real talent can be. Um, and they have a lot of time to figure it out. And as we've talked about, they have one of the easier schedules in the NFL. So for their sake, that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, they'll be able to hopefully by the time they get to the playoffs, we won't see them scaling the offense back like this so much. Because it, it had to be fr- – if I was a Cowboys fan, I would have been frustrated watching that game plan.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they get their – I guess you could say probably their – their four toughest the next four opponents that are the toughest games on their schedule they get them all at home the packers the eagles the vikings and the well yeah so those three They've got to go to New England. They've still got. Then they got to go to the, the Jets, the Giants, and the Lions, which are, Lions. are winnable games. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, they're the Lions, but but yeah, I mean, when you consider that, they're they're probably their three of their next six opponents. The toughest ones uh, are the Packers, the Eagles, and the Vikings, I guess. Uh, and they get all those at home, so that's a good setup for the Cowboys and uh, trying to bounce back uh, this week against the Packers. All right, Dylan, that wraps it up. Uh, If you want our thoughts on the Monday night game between the Bengals and the Steelers, you can find that on our previous episode where we went through and talked about all of the week four games. But as usual, we'll now dive into uh, the waiver wire picks uh, for the week with uh, my article always going up on Tuesday mornings over at clutchpoints.com. And so we'll discuss a few of these players that are on the waiver wire now. And Dylan and I were talking about this before we started recording. We've kind of reached that point where you hopefully have picked up your guys, like the people you're leaning on now, the the ones that were out there the first couple of weeks, maybe just uh, surprises came out of nowhere. They should be on your roster now. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's still some that are out there now that are playing well that they're going to be worth considering. And really, Dylan, in a week like this, we probably have to sort of start with the quarterbacks because um, there are three in particular that that you and I have discussed here. We just mentioned Minshew Mania and uh, how well Gardner Minshew's played there in relief of Nick Foles. Jameis Winston is another guy that's still available in 43.8% of leagues. I don't know how much I trust Jameis Winston just Mm -hmm. yet, but I mean, putting up that type of performance to me, I'll at least give him a look now because... He does have some some decent matchups, especially if you consider the Falcons uh, are in that division, and we, we just see what their their deal is right now. Um, and then Matthew Stafford, because of what uh, he's been able to do, he hasn't looked bad either thus far this season.
0: Yeah, I think uh, definitely out of those, um, uh, it's tough with Menchu because this is a team that's always going to try to run the ball, and I really do love watching him play, but I don't know if fantasy-wise. He doesn't have – I don't know if he has the potential to really – boom the same way we saw winston boom fantasy wise on sunday yeah. i don't think you're ever gonna see the jags offense throwing for almost 400 yards in the current setup they want to run the ball they, there's a reason they invested so high with the draft pick in four and whether that was the right decision or not he, we saw on sunday it did work out pretty well for them and i think fantasy wise winston has the better opportunity i mean godwin and evans these guys are uh, fantasy kings at the, this point point they're getting tons of targets and overall they they still you know not every week are we going to see them perform incredibly well they do have a couple tough matchups coming up against uh, new orleans and then carolinas and we you know didn't have a huge week against the panthers and they played in week two so maybe a little tougher there for stafford another team that wants to run the ball a lot but i do think with the weapons they have and i think they're seeing this year um bevels kind of opened it up a bit more than what we saw last season with that offense and i think they have a ton of weapons again they run a ton of screen plays and carry on johnson catching the ball is another one of these guys is a huge threat and those yards rack up for stafford so a lot of good quarterback options if you're if you're not in the best shape there i think any of these guys depending on the matchup I, it wouldn't really be for me based so much on their ability at this point and wh- however we want to say about these quarterbacks overall who they are i think it was more so about their opponents they're going to be facing and whether you think they're going to, right. be able to uh, boom kind of like Jameis did on sunday
1: Stafford has the best setup, it seems, of the group uh, because I mean the Packers are up next, or you know for them after after the bye, and of course that's something to consider. You won't be able to play Stafford this week, but I mean beyond that, like the Packers are able to be thrown on. We saw that with Carson Wentz. Then they get the Vikings, the Giants, and the Raiders. So I mean there's there's several playable instances in there yeah. uh, for Matthew Stafford, especially with the Giants and the Raiders. So uh, yeah, he might be someone to keep an eye on if you need uh, the depth there at quarterback uh, at running back dylan there's not a lot out there um but still i would lean on the guy who's still less than 50 percent owned which is our our kind of you know benchmark when we do these darrell williams still only 44.3 percent owned and uh, we saw him get involved yet again and, and everybody's question is well, what's it going to look like when damian williams comes back I'd argue that I still think Daryl Williams has played well enough to where I don't think it's a guarantee that mm-hmm. all of a sudden he just goes to the sideline and we don't see him anymore. I, I just don't see that happening because he has played so well to this point. Um, and then Ronald Jones, who we're seeing get much more involved, and we, we mentioned the improved uh, offense there for the Bucks. Ronald Jones only 41.2% on. They may be the best two options of the group uh, running back this week.
0: Yeah, either either of those guys are available, I absolutely would jump on them, as we have in separate leagues with Daryl Williams and we've uh, – saw the benefits yep. of that last week uh, yeah I mean there was a report uh, a week ago about how when Damian Williams does come back that it's still going to be LaShawn and Daryl getting most of the carries so that's great news for Daryl owners not great news for Damian owners we'll see if it all how it all plays out I think all those guys are talented and I feel like Andy Reid would find a way to kind of have a rotation with all of them so that's not the new the best thing for fantasy owners but you know when we're talking about waiver wire running backs it doesn't really get much better than him uh Ronald Jones uh yeah we week to week still not gonna be a guy i would rely on a ton but you know we yeah. we saw what he's able to do and he's still a guy that a lot of, if you read more into beyond all the you know just regular numbers a guy that struggled kind of hitting his holes and kind of struggled with being patient and and uh, his one and their schemes running the ball but i thought this past week he did a little bit better uh, obviously the offense line for tampa bay won most of the day against the rams as we talked about so uh, we'll see if they're able to do that moving forward but easily out of the guys that are under that 50 percent ownage rate these are the top two uh easy like quite easily i think uh, there's a lot of other guys on there that are decent names but not not guys i'm gonna rely on we know these two guys are gonna get a lot of carries week to week
1: yeah ronald jones 150 yards on the ground uh combined the past two weeks so he's someone that's kind of emerging then he in that first week he had 75 yards on the ground against the Niners so mm-hmm. uh yeah maybe, maybe someone who's getting a lot better and could be an option there for you if you need help there uh, the wide receiver group uh I've got it sort of narrowed down to four as we always say these could change based on injuries by the time the article goes up Tuesday morning we get a lot mm-hmm. more injury reports uh we see you know who are in situations to, to maybe have expanded roles uh Muhammad Sanu this guy is one that I relied on Dylan um a lot the past mm-hmm. couple years in fantasy because he's just kind of that guy that'll pop up get you 18 20 points here or there and now with seeing how the falcons play and and if they're just going to fall behind in games like this and have to throw it so much give me Mohammed sanu and an offense is going to throw the ball a lot um geronimo allison you know Devontae adams has the injury and it seems like it's a day-to-day thing i'm sure he'll probably be fine probably plays this week i don't know i'm not a doctor but uh <laughs> still it's clear that someone like geronimo allison you know in in places has value just in that offense aj brown we mentioned him earlier he's not getting a ton of receptions But if he's emerging as their their go-to guy in that offense, I still don't trust Marcus Mariota. I probably won't trust him for a while, uh, but he's still an option that's out there. And then I'm going to give you Preston Williams. I keep talking about him for the Dolphins. He didn't have a huge game against the Chargers, but I still think he's the best receiver on the roster. Sorry, Devontae Parker. Um, And, again, this is a team that's going to have to throw the ball so much that I I think there's a little bit of value in guys like that. Now, certainly – You're not starting any of these guys with 100% confidence, but Mm -hmm. remember bye weeks, we've reached bye weeks, so you've got to have guys to plug in uh, here and there, so maybe these are some potential options.
0: Yeah, Preston Williams still going to get a ton of targets. Like you said, they're losing most of the time, it feels like, and uh they're gonna have to throw the ball a lot and I think his value is definitely higher in my opinion with Josh Rosen than Fitzpatrick with how well Rosen has been able to play uh, some of the throws he's made again a tough situation (laughs) there overall as much as it can for me I can only give Josh Rosen so much praise Uh, he's not really surrounded by a ton of talent but he has some decent receivers and if the offensive line can at least hold up for a little bit these guys are getting a lot of targets so that's what makes Preston so intriguing out of this bunch but I, I do agree I feel like Sanu and Allison are kind of similar cases two teams that would like to run the ball have struggled to run the ball and as a result are throwing you know have great quarterbacks that are going to throw the ball a lot anyway but are throwing even more right now than they might want to and with some of the other uh, things that I mean teams obviously are always going to scheme up against Julio Jones and you see it depends on the matchup and the defensive coordinator. there's certain weeks where Sanu kind of does what we saw Godwin do against the Rams and then we see Geronimo doing against other teams that are t- taking away Devontae better than what the Eagles were able to on Thursday so all, all great options uh, a lot of you know if, if these guys are available in your league yeah I mean definitely better plug and play options than some of these other names down here I, I wouldn't trust you know Paul Richardson so much at this point with what he's been able to do um, obviously we tear McLaurin out he still didn't perform well yep. uh, there's there's names and there's guys that are you know are going to get targets but these these guys all have better potential I think with their quarterbacks and just the systems they're in
1: yeah and those are probably to be honest like you said the, the main guys and again there's not really anyone probably on the list this week aside from Darrell Williams that I would say you know He's someone you've just got to have because, again, you you know what your roster looks like at this point, uh, but I do think Darrell Williams, if he's available, you scoop him up because uh, if that's the case where Damian Williams comes back and you've got Darrell Williams still having the same kind of workload, and again, LaShawn McCoy, I mean, he's not 25 anymore, and there could be (laughs) weeks where, you know, just like with all these guys at running back, the the older running back guys, where they get injuries and maybe aren't playing the same amount of snaps as they used to, um, that's why... someone like Darrell Williams and the best offense in the NFL. you got to have him. Everybody else, uh, sort of just look at and see. And of course, the defenses that, uh, you know, there's not really any defenses to me that just stand out and and Mm -hmm. say, you've got to have these guys. Um, but may sneak in one in there when the article so there's your there's your teaser uh, for the article <laughs> on uh, Tuesday morning all right Dylan that'll wrap it up uh, another fun week of action in the NFL uh, maybe we'll see some points between the Steelers and the Bengals uh, but uh, lots of great stuff we're doing over at Clutch Points so let everybody know where they can find all our stuff
0: yeah, if you go to clutchpoints.com to the NFL tab all of our uh, written content can be found there there's a podcast tab where our podcast and the NBA podcasts all take place you can find Establish the Past you know, on iTunes and uh, soundcloud spotify any any outlet that you use to listen to us and we appreciate everyone listening Uh, for our fantasy content you can search fantasy football on clutchpoints.com we are as we mentioned last week working on adding a fantasy section to the site itself so excited for that and i know there's going to be another section we're going to be adding uh soon with blake at the head of that if you want to say anything about that year too (laughs)
1: Yes, uh, we are going to finally do college basketball. Which uh, it's funny because on the very first episode of the podcast, so we mentioned uh, if you're someone like, wait a minute, isn't this the college basketball guy talking about the NFL? Um, no, yes. We, we are finally going to have that, and uh, we've got a lot of exciting stuff uh, on the way there. So if you're an NFL fan, you love college basketball, you'll be able to get all that at clutchpoints.com. So be sure you check all that out. And uh, next time on the podcast, uh, we will give you our picks for the upcoming week uh, in the NFL. Should be uh, a fun week ahead as we go into week five, uh, not knowing what to expect from some of these teams. Again, 13 teams at two and two. Should be a lot of fun, uh, and we will talk about it uh, on the next episode of the Established the Past podcast. Be sure subscribe to are subscribed everywhere. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys on the next episode of the Established the Past podcast.